Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. Today I'm joined by Lisa Saunders, who grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, but has lived in South Florida for several years now. Lisa is a paralegal at Burns & Severson, a law firm in West Palm Beach, Florida, that specializes in estate planning. Lisa Saunders, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Great to have you. Um, I mentioned where you grew up and where you live now because I know there was a time when you were shuttling back and forth a lot between D.C. and Florida uh, when you were caring for your folks. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I actually moved down to South Florida in 1986, and um, so I was pretty you know, well-established and moving along in my life professionally and, and personally. And um, my parents stayed in the Northern Virginia area. My brother's in the military, um, so he's, you know, all over the place. And my dad was always the one who was sick. You know, my mom um, was uh, always taking care of him, I felt like. And, you know, he had a heart attack and he had, you know, bouts with cancer. And so there was always something going on with dad. And mom was never sick. In fact, I don't remember growing up that she was ever sick. You know, she was just one of those moms who plugged away through everything. Mm -hmm. And then she got sick. And um, she had breast cancer, and she um, was still working and went through the treatment and really just soldiered on through that. I was, you know, pretty amazed and impressed and hoped that I would be able to muster up the same gumption if I was ever faced with that 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 she had. And um, so we got through that, and we put that behind us. And um, about five years later, I noticed on a couple of visits that she just, things weren't right. Things weren't tracking quite right. And um, so I flew, well, back up a minute. They were actually um, driving somewhere in early December. My dad's brother was dying, and they were going to go to be with him before he passed away. And they got lost on the roads and they didn't have a cell phone and you know my brother and I are frantically trying to find them um they had left Virginia and you know my mom did all the driving and so we I literally got on the phone with the um, state police in Virginia and we just started tracking the route they would have taken to go to see my my dad's brother and And how old were um, your parents at this point they were, let's see, um, 70, um, early to mid-70s. Okay. And, um, and so, you know, all the police could tell me was that they, a car of their make and model had not been involved in an accident. But, you know, I had visions of them off the side of a mountain. And okay. finally they turned up, and, you know, my mother was very offended that I had gotten so worried and, um 
So I just knew that something wasn't right. I flew up there right after the first of the year, and this was in 2007, mm-hmm. and um, like maybe January 3rd. And I walked in the door, and I just took a look around and realized my mother had not been doing anything that she had always done. She hadn't been opening mail. She hadn't been paying bills. She just was not doing anything. And I walked right out the back door and started crying and then turned back inside and and just said, I have to deal with this. So I spent that weekend opening mail, paying bills, um, depositing checks, and I went in search of an agency that could help them. Um, And I knew from my experience down here in Florida that, you know, there were these agencies that provided all level of service from, from, you know, a glorified babysitter to full on um, nurses. And I, and I knew I needed help with um, diet and um, uh, medication compliance because, you know, if my mom had been doing everything for both of them, now she wasn't doing anything for either of them. Mm -hmm. So it was an issue. Um, I think she was feeling so bad at the time that she finally agreed to let somebody in there to help them. And I found an agency, just, you know, went online and searched, and I found an agency that was, um, had just started working in the area about three months prior, and it was a young guy. Um, he and his wife, she was a social worker, and his his uh, passion was the elderly, and her passion was, you know, the social work. And they started this agency, and he came over, he met my mom, and he knew I was leaving to come back to Florida. And he found a lovely, lovely young girl who was going to be there for my parents, and he brought her back over to meet me because he wanted me to feel comfortable mm-hmm. that, that somebody in my mom's, you know, that was going to be helping my mom and dad in their house, that I was comfortable with that. And she was lovely, and so that's how we started off. And they came over, and they were there during the day, and they made meals, and there was the medication compliance. And I realized I needed to kind of step in and help with doctor's appointments. So I you know, find myself for the first few months of 2007 flying up to Washington, D.C. every other weekend to try and, you know, work in appointments for my mom and take care of their household bills and, you know, trying to manage their household long distance and then still have, you know, a full-time job and, and my own life to manage. I'm, I'm married and I have a stepson and, you know, I have a very full and active life. So it, it started putting quite a strain on me at the office, at home, but, you know, everybody was very, very supportive. And so that's basically what I did for the first four months of 2007. And where was your brother uh, during all this, and how, if at all, he did he was, participate? I think stationed at that time, he was in North Carolina. So he would come up occasionally, but he, he um, you know, he's got the kids, and I don't have the kids, and I'm not really the nurturer, but I stepped up and was doing the nurturing here. And I think it was, I don't know that he, I don't think he could wrap his head around what was going on um, at the onset. I don't know that he realized how serious it was and, and how much was going to be required to kind of get them back up to where they were going. And um, so I just, you know, I kept him in the loop, but there really, 
you know, occasionally he would be up in the area and, and was able to go by the house. I relied heavily on my mom's friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the aides that you get in the house, just the, the certified nurses assistants or the home health aides, they're not supposed to touch medicine. And um, one of the medications my mom was on was changed frequently. And so I would go up there and I would set up her pill boxes for mm-hmm. two weeks. Mm-hmm. But that particular medication, you know, changed constantly. And, you know, I would call her friend and her friend would go over there and adjust the dosage. And that was, um, that was, a, that was a very tough part of the whole long distance thing. Um, and, you know, there were times when, and I was, you know, very much in touch with AIDS. I, I talked to my mother at least once a day mostly twice a day. And, and as it turns out, her, um, her cancer had come back and had metastasized mm-hmm. and was now in her bones. Mm-hmm. And um, she also was having some um, um, dementia-like symptoms, although she was never diagnosed with that. Um, I did take her to a neurologist, and he explained to me that sometimes unmanaged chronic disease um, can lead to dementia-like symptoms. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm faced with, did the dementia come back and cause her to, you know, or did the, did the cancer come back and then she wasn't able to manage her, her chronic illness and that's why she's having these dementia-like symptoms or did she get dementia and then stop managing? You know, it's the chicken and the egg thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't really sure, you know, what the progression was. And she, she masked her symptoms for a very long time. Um, and so it wasn't, you know, I being so far away up until the, when I started going every other week, I did not realize how far past the norm they had gone. And, um, you know, I think my dad was just, you know, my mom had always done everything. And mm-hmm. so he just thought she was still doing everything. And, you know, she was, making a good go at it, but I just don't, I don't think for a long time she was really wrapping her head around everything. Um, you know, and it, to the point where the bills weren't getting paid and, and one of the bills I opened up when I first got up there was an electric bill and they were getting ready to shut off the power. Oh so, my goodness. yeah, I mean, and it was in not for lack of money, but for not comprehending this mail that she's receiving. And it took a long time before, anybody really realized. Um, there had been signs before, but, you know, she could hide and, and excuse a lot of, you know, getting lost in the neighborhood when she was driving around or forgetting, you know, a meeting or dozing off, you know, during something that was kind of important. And, you know, she would, she would make excuses. And, and, um, and so she, I think, was probably for a, quite some time before it became obvious to everybody was struggling with these, with these things. Um, and so then when I stepped in, I was almost overwhelmed with, with what I had to do. But, you know, you just do it. You step up and you do what you have to do. I became very intimately involved with her care and all her doctors and, and all of that sort of thing. And I wish, you know, looking back on it, she had let me do some of that before I did. Now, what about your dad? Was he observing any of this and relaying to you his concern? Or was he not opening the mail because your mom was, wasn't, or what was he? Yeah, doing? you know, he was not opening the mail because he never did. Mm-hmm. You know, he hmm. just she would 
he would bring the mail in and give it to her, and she would, you know, make a, a show of opening some of it and then just putting it aside. And because that's what, that was her role, you know, she had always done that. She maintained the, the checkbook and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, I don't think that he really realized. And, and again, he had his own, you know, health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that when he needed to, he, you know, he, he stepped up and he and he started doing more than he had done in the past, which I was, you know, I was kind of proud of him because, you know, mom had done everything around the house. Um, mm-hmm. So I once they once I had somebody in there helping them with meals because they would, you know, they would go out or they would get delivery and they weren't eating right. And I know my mother wasn't taking her meds right. So it was just this whole, you know, everything feeds into everything else. Mm-hmm. And, and it just kept spiraling down. And, you know, I, I ended up getting the AIDS during the day and in the evenings. And they would stay there until it was bedtime, you know, and, that would, and they would make sure that they had, you know, done their medication and had eaten, you know, at least two meals a day. And, um had what they needed, you know, I really didn't want, she wasn't able to drive, and I really didn't want him driving, so they would run the errands for them and, and that sort of thing. So the the agency that I ended up with turned out to be a godsend, and they're still in business, and I have to say I'm really proud of, of the guy who owns it and his wife. They've done an amazing job um, growing their business, and I think they've touched a lot of lives the same way they have you know were able to touch ours. Well, that's great. I'm not in the business of promoting anything, but you might as well tell us the name of the agency. It is Homestead um, mm-hmm. in Northern Virginia. They mm-hmm. have two franchises. It's a national franchise, mm-hmm. and um, the girl that you know it, it ended up being a couple of girls, and they could not have cared for my parents more. Um, you know, if they were their own blood, I just, they were so good to my parents and, and there was really some, um, genuine affection at the end, um, between the, the caregivers. And, and I know that, you know, there was one day my mom had an appointment and it was snowing and the schools were closed. And so the regular girl couldn't come. And, um, the, the owners of the agency called me and said, we have a four-wheel drive. We know your mom has an appointment. We're going to go and pick her up. What's her normal routine? When does she take her? I mean, it was wow. just, I was completely blown away that, that they were taking this, you know, personal initiative and this interest in my mom to get her to this appointment that they knew she had. And um, I just, you know, I... I would say every time I would talk about them that I just was so thankful I had found, you know, such a um, a caring couple, and that was their business, and they were able to to really help us out, and they stayed um, they stayed with us through my my mom's uh, passing, which was not it was the very beginning of May, so this didn't go on for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they stayed with my dad until I was able to move my dad down here to Florida, where I was able to kind of manage him locally instead of long distance. Mm-hmm. And during that time that you were um, hiring the um, home health aid workers, did you um, how did how did you go about that for folks who are facing something similar? Did you go online? Did you what? Re- how did you know? where to turn and what questions to ask and and how did that play out? Um, For me and my parents, it was a little different than I 
would hope it would be for most people because it was kind of an emergency. You know, I was up there for a for maybe a four or a five day stay um, in January of 2007, and you know, realized what what I needed to do. And so, for me, I just I think I went online and I think I must have searched home health agencies, and this one popped up. Um, and it was in Manassas, and I called, and, you know, it was just that it just, I had to do something. Now, other people, I know in Florida, it's a big business, and, um, you know, I see it through my work um, because, um, you know, we are the family attorneys, and we know people, we have a relationship with our clients for years, you know, decades, and um, we know their children, and so then... It, they get to a point where mom needs help and they are up north and mom is in Florida or dad is in Florida. So they don't really know where to turn. They call our office. So in my professional life, I have different agencies that I know exist out there because they've either, you know, made themselves known at a, at a bar association meeting or they've sent information to our office because they, you know, they know that that's the sort of clientele we have, and and because we're the hand-holding family attorneys, you know, the family might turn to us for help, which they do. So it it would have been easier to find my mom help down here in Florida because I'm familiar with the how you know down here. So um, if I was choosing an agency down here, I mean, I would. I would call around and I would probably ask for price because it is not cheap. And, you know, people, uh, when people have the money and are fortunate enough to be able to pay for this help, um, it's a wonderful thing. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there who aren't. And um, so that's, you know, I think that's a, a big gap in our in our health system um, is, is making some of these they're not luxuries. I think they're necessities. If you don't have anybody, you need some help. And, um, you know, I don't think it's a luxury to get that help. I think it's a necessity. And so there's a big divide um, in the in the money part of it between the people who can afford to pay for those services and those who can't. But um, I would, you know, if I was looking at different agencies, I would probably check, you know, the Better Business Bureau and and, you know, Angie's List nowadays, that wasn't so big back then. But, um, you know, word of mouth, you can find out how long they've been in business. Um, and and just on a um, – from seeing how different agencies operate, I would – I would want people to understand the difference between a, an agency and a registry. An agency, the people work for the agency, and they are staffed at your place. And a registry, they're just kind of giving you the name, and it's almost, I mean, that's what it is. It's a registry of, of people who they can call on, and I just feel like an agency um, is going to have a little bit better handle on on who they're sending out, they're going to be licensed and insured and bonded, and you have to think about those things. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are doing it because it's their passion. Some people are doing it because it's a job, um, and they're in the house. There's not a lot of supervision. You want to make sure that you're with a reputable um, company and that you know they vet their people. And you know, I'm not going to look in Craigslist and hire somebody who's putting themselves out there as a you know companion. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's definitely something to think about. When you were first facing this with your mom and dad, and we'll get get to your work in a second because that's really interesting too. But when you were first uh, doing uh, handling this these issues with your mom and dad, what sort of how did this affect your health, your health, and what did you do I, to take cool. care of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I I was. Um, you know, on the edge all the time. And if you looked at me funny, I would probably cry because I was just so, I was stretched thin emotionally and physically and, um, you know, financially. It, it, my parents mm-hmm. were paying for their care, but I'm having to, you know, fly up there and back and take time off from work. And my, my bosses were very wonderful about all of that and they gave me the time I needed. But you know, I still had to had to fly up there, and I had to take care of you know my own things, and um, mm-hmm. and so it just it got to be very draining, and um, you know I just felt like my um, everybody around me was you know kind of sometimes walking on eggshells because I was very you know every time the phone rang I worried that it was a call about my parents and. You know, I was sitting in my office one day, and they called me from my parents' house, and they said, your mom has a doctor's appointment this this afternoon, and we can't get her up off of the couch. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do? I'm a thousand miles away mm-hmm. in Florida. I, <laughs> why are you calling me with this? <laughs> so I just, you know, I kind of just took a deep breath, and I said, well, then I think you should probably call 911 because she needs to be somewhere where they can help her. And obviously that's not the house right now. So um, that's what they did. They called 911 and they, you know, the the rescue squad came and got her and took her over to the hospital. And, you know, so it was just those kind of things where you feel you want to do everything you can, but at such a great distance, there was a lot of things I couldn't do. Um, so I'm thankfully my, you know, my mom had some wonderful friends that I could call on, you know, in an emergency and my dad was hard of hearing and sometimes he wouldn't hear the phone ring. And then now I'm freaking out because nobody's answering the phone and I would call them and say, could you just go over there and make sure everybody's okay? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's very, it's very tough doing something like this locally and very, very much harder doing it long distance. So you were the primary contact person you were the you were the go-to yes. daughter they called yes. you first with everything yes right yes they okay did. they did and I was worried about the weekend um so my mom had a um a you know lady that came and cleaned the house um and she would come in on Sundays and so she was my Sunday person you know she I knew she was going to be there making sure that they were you know okay on Sunday and and then it then I got to where I had the agency Monday through Saturday because Carmen was there on on Sunday, and then I got to you know the point where I had the agency there, and then I had two four hour shifts, so there was you know somebody there during the day to make sure that they had their morning meds and lunch, and then somebody came in in the evening um, and made sure that you know they got their evening meds and their and their um, dinner and then um, my mom ended up in a in a rehab facility and um, the aides would come and um, pick up my dad in the morning and take him and they would be there with him at the facility 
mm-hmm. you know, during the day, just keeping him company and getting, you know, my mom what she needed. And, and then at the end of their shift, they would bring him back home and make sure he was, you know, set up with dinner and that sort of thing. So the, the girls that helped my parents really went above and beyond. Um, they were just, they were absolutely amazing. And I, I couldn't have gotten through it without them. Hmm. Do you think you could have planned for any of this? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, you know, if my parents had had long-term care insurance, I maybe could have planned to have somebody in there sooner um, because, you know, you know that you have that um, option. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I would have said, let's, you know, let's get somebody in here to help you and, and um, you know, help you with your meals. But my mom was very, very proud and very stubborn, and she, you know, could do it. She was going to do it. She was going to take care of it. And up until, I mean, until the end, she was convinced that she was going to get better and Mm -hmm. she was going to get back on track. And, you know, she only needed that help temporarily because she was going to go back to doing everything and being able to take care of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I don't, I don't know that I could have planned this. I... The other thing that was um, very difficult was their living situation. Um, They lived in a multi-story home, and um, the stairs were just not, um, they were not safe. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal as people start aging. and And I see more and more people recognizing that they should get rid of stairs while they can. Um, and get into a single-level um, home or even into an assisted living facility that has an option for for full care. You know, there's a lot of those um, mm-hmm. popping up. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you can plan for something like that. Um, but, but the people you're planning for have to be open to it. Mm-hmm. What about sort of foreseeing your own emotional reaction? I think we're close enough in age that we can look to our parents' generation in terms of them being the sort of great generation where, oh, you know, they're getting older, but they'll always be okay in some way. And um, I, for me personally, I just dreaded the, the, the prospect of one of them dying or becoming enfeebled. Um, and I sort of thought about it, but I never really prepared myself emotionally for it. I mean, I knew it would happen in the abstract, but it was always something in my mind that was far in the future that I would have to deal with um, because my yeah, parents were very and, youthful. So I guess that's well, the other thing is the emotional thing. And were you, were you at all prepared for this emotionally? Um, not so early. I mean, I was in my, um, I was only 42, and so um, I just, first of all, I never in a million years contemplated my mom dying before my dad, never, ever, because my dad had been the one who had the health, you know, issues and the, mm-hmm. and the crises and the, you know, and the concerns, and my mom was the, you know, the trooper. She was she was always healthy. She was never sick. And um, so I, I, like you, knew someday that was going to happen, but it was always abstract. And I just figured, you know, when my dad got sick, my mom would take care of him and I would help her out as, as she needed. But I just figured in the, in the, you know, grand scheme of things, that's how it would play out. And so, you know, to have this happen, and it, and it was just so fast. 
I realized what was going on in January and, you know, she was gone May 2nd. So um, it was, I mean, thankfully, we, none of us had to suffer for long um, and mm-hmm. it, because it was hard for all of us. Mm-hmm. And so now all of a sudden my mom is gone and, I, and my dad's alive and, and now I'm thinking, what, now what? You know, I never, never, <laughs> ever thought that that would happen. Um, I just, I couldn't even have imagined it. And um, so thankfully, my dad was um, originally from Florida, and I lived down here, and he was very open to um, the idea of, you know, moving down here. And, and um, he was, he he readily accepted that that would be the best thing. And um, so, it you know it was it was not easy um but once he was down here i i still i you know i kind of then i stepped into the role as his care manager um mm-hmm. but thankfully um i a house across the street from me was empty and going to be rented and i was able to move him into that house and so he had his own scene, and I had my own scene, but I could walk across the street and make sure that everything over there was fine. And um, I, uh, you know, hired aides to help him, you know, right from the get-go, um, because I didn't really want him driving. I wanted to make sure he was eating right, and I, I couldn't do that. You know, mm-hmm. I have a job. So um, the transition was pretty smooth. Um, but he, you know, he had health issues, too. So I found myself, after the first couple of months, back to the revolving door of doctors and, you know, taking my dad to millions of doctor's appointments and, you know, having this specialist and that specialist and in the hospital and in the rehab. So I, I did the same stuff, but it was here. It was local. So I could stop off at the rehab center on my way to work and say good morning and, you know, how'd you sleep last night? And then come back on the way home because it was near to the house and, you know, how was your day and, and that sort of thing. So it was a little bit easier, but it was, it didn't stop um, when my mom passed away. It just changed venues. <laughs> Across the street. Did you contemplate him moving in with you? Did that even come up? No, no. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, I mean, obviously we all do what we have to do. Um, I, I, <laughs> I did not want that to happen, and I just told him, you know, I and I told him I can't take care of you because mm-hmm. because I I can't mm-hmm. um, I I'm not equipped for it. I just I I couldn't, and uh, it would not have been easy to have him in our house. I have a small house. It would mm-hmm. not it would not have been easy, and so in the in the way you know the grand plan worked out in just it couldn't have worked out better um where he was he had plenty of room and we you know we could spend the time over there and I could take my dog over there and you know it was just it it worked out and then when he would get you know he could be not very nice and he would and I could just say to the aides you know I'm going to go home call me if there's anything you need because you know I didn't take it personally and I know that we all take things out on the people we're closest to Mm -hmm. and um so it was I could just say you know what I'll see you in the morning and just turn and walk out and I think that was good for for my peace of mind and my own well-being because you know I just I I couldn't put myself in that role of caregiver. Mm-hmm. And um, is your dad still living? I forget. No. Yeah. No. Okay. He passed away 
um, in July of 2008. So I, I, to be honest, was surprised he lasted a year, you know, after my mom died. Um, and I think in the end he was just, um, he missed her and he was tired and sick and sick of being tired and tired of being sick and just, you know, that was it. But, um, it was nice that I got to spend as much time with him, you know, in his last year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my husband, my husband has a couple of days off during the week. And so he and my dad got very close, Mm -hmm. um, which I was thankful for. Mm. Um, and they were able to spend, you know, quite a bit of, of time together. Um, so, you know, it was a good last year. I mean, I was sorry that he was as sick as he was and in and out of the hospital, but, um, you know, we were here, so he had people around him and, Hmm. Well, um, we've we've been talking about a lot of the uncertainties of caring for a parent and having to make things up as we go along sort of thing. So maybe that's a good segue to planning and estate planning. Um, how long have you been doing that? And, and, and for folks that don't know, what, what exactly is estate planning? I have been doing this um, since 1988. And um, we, you know... We prepare people's wills and trusts and their health care directives. And, um, you know, as, as people get older, they start to recognize their own mortality and they start to make some plans and talk with their family members about what they do and they don't want. And I think that's a huge first step. Um, so I, I've had clients come through the office and they, you know, take the time in their documents to say, I don't want to be in a nursing home. I want to stay in my home. I want, you know, I I want any equipment that needs to be brought in. You know, you have the you have the authority to buy it and bring it in or whatever because they're just adamant they don't they don't want to die in a nursing home. And um, more and more, I'm seeing people you know putting pen to paper and saying you know you can sit and have a conversation all you want about it, but then when time comes and the kids are up north, oh, well, mom can't handle it. We'll just get her a place in this, you know, nursing home. That's not what mom wants. And so now I'm finding a lot in in, um, in our client base that people are making it clear in their documents. You know, I direct my, my trustee or my, um, you know, my surrogate to, to do these things and to spend this kind of money and you know, I don't want to go in a nursing home unless two doctors say there's no way I can stay in my home. And um, and then and then on the other side of it, I had a client recently saying, I I don't want to burden my kids with these decisions. Mm-hmm. So I want them to put me in a nursing home. And we're like, but they might not want to. Oh. <laughs> they might want to take care of you. She's like, I don't, I don't want them to be burdened with that. Well, oh. that's their choice, if, you know, if it's a burden. So finally I said, well, why don't you just get a long-term health insurance plan, and then they won't be burdened with the day-to-day care, but you don't have to go into a nursing home. They can hire somebody you know, to come in and stay with you, to give you those hours a day of assistance or to stay with you, you know, as a caregiver around the clock if that's what your needs are. So, um, unfortunately, long-term health insurance is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cost prohibitive to for most people. I mean, I don't even think at, at my age that I could afford the premium on a long-term care insurance for something I wouldn't need, hopefully, for 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
What's so the, that's you know. I'm sorry. What, what's the average age of, of your of your clients, if there is one? When do they sort uh, of approach you around? Well, the, the they, way- you know, it it depends. If mm-hmm. if there are younger people from a family who has, um, you know, planned their estate and and had lawyers involved, then they come in at a young age. You know, mm-hmm. they'll come in mm-hmm. in their in their 20s. Sometimes we have clients in their 20s just starting a family. And they don't really have anything that they need to plan for at the time. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think what it boils down to is you want to make your own decisions. You don't want you don't want to die without these documents or get sick without these documents in place and then have, you know, the court come in and appoint somebody or the state. You know, the state law will say, well, if you if you don't have a will, then here's what's going to happen to your stuff. So I think people are more aware of that nowadays. And they come in and they'll, you know, they'll do a will and or a trust and then we'll give them a power of attorney so that if something does happen and they become incapacitated, you don't have to go to court to get a guardian. You have this document in place that says, if I can't handle my own affairs, I appoint, you know, this person. And the same thing with a living will, the same thing with a health care surrogate, because there's you know, nothing worse than getting a call from the client's kid, mom's in the hospital, does she have that? Well, no, she doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then then you kind of scramble. So I think a lot of people used to be they didn't want to think about it because then they had to really look at their own mortality. But now with what, you know, you see in the news, you hear these horror stories, and I think people are a little bit more willing to think about it in terms of putting putting things into place for themselves. Um, and and then maybe mom did it, so now I'm going to do it, you know, as the daughter. And maybe it works the other way. Maybe daughter's thinking about it and says, hey, mom, you know, do you have this directive in place? Do you have these documents in place? What if something happened to you? I mean, what if you got into a car accident and you were unconscious? You know, who who would make these decisions for you? And so I think that dialogue, that's a little bit easier to have um, because it's like an insurance policy sort of thing. Well, if something happens to me, then I, I want this person to, you know, help me get through that time. It's not anything, you know, final or drastic or whatever. It's just something, it's a contingency plan. Mm-hmm. Do you think... Uh people think that they can do this sort of thing online and 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 what's the benefit of going into an office like yours a firm and having it done by lawyers in person as opposed to you know some people think oh well, you know I can find a document on the internet and right. that'll and, do it and sometimes you can for some of those documents i know that the seven wishes document was a big deal you know where people say, if if this happens to me, this is how I want to be treated. If I'm in this situation, this is what I want to happen. So some of those documents, yes. Um, Florida is a weird state with certain um, rules, and so we always hate to see um, people coming in with a homemade will um, because they're generally more problems than they solve. They, you know, they cause more problems than they solve. Mm-hmm. So in, as far as that end of a plan yeah, I think it's better, you know, to have an attorney that can guide you through the process and make sure that your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. For some of the other documents, I mean, you know, a living will or a health care surrogate, states are going to have it in their statutes, and you're generally going to be able to find something online that would be acceptable. 
you talked a little bit about hand holding before. What what sort of things do you sort of find yourself doing that aren't necessarily related to legal work? <laughs> um, you know, uh, getting finding a company that can install a wheelchair ramp or hospital rails on the side of a bed because you know mom's falling out of bed. Um, Clients ask you to do that. Yeah, there you know their kids will call and just say you know. I, I need somebody to to do this. Do you know anybody? And, and I don't always make the call. I mean, for certain clients, I might make the call, but others I'll pass along, you know, phone numbers or information. And and I, you know, recently had to find a company that that would put hospital rails on a regular bed. And so I ended up calling the <laughs> nursing agency that I'm familiar with, or the, you know, uh, staffing agency that I'm familiar with and saying, surely this has come up before, who would you call? <laughs> um, but sometimes it's, you know, um, putting a grab bar in a shower. So there's a lot of home remodeling things that that you look to do when, when people are aging in place and not, not going into a facility but staying in the home they've been in. You need to get, you know, wheelchair ramps or you need to take certain doors off because they, you know, they open the wrong way and somebody's on a walker, you know, that was a problem at my mom and dad's house. The, the bathroom doorway was too narrow for the walker. <laughs> and so my mom wouldn't open it up all the way so that she could get it in there. And I'm like, but now it can collapse on you. So, you know, there's all these little things that you don't think about. Um, and um, then, it, then it comes up. So we've, you know, we've helped families hire um, nursing agencies. We've helped families, you know, get these home renovations done. We've um, helped them find a facility. You know, mom wants to go into somewhere, you know, she wants to go into a facility where she's going to have help if she needs it. Do you have any recommendations for places, you know, around there? So some, you know, some families are more... Um, um, on top of it, so when they call us, they have a lot more, they've done a lot more legwork than other people. Some people just call and say, you know, what do I do? And, and again, you can do a lot of this yourself, but sometimes it comes up in an emergency situation and you don't know where to turn. So, you know, I'm very happy to be able to help. And then, then to help children of some of our clients, and when I say children, you know, sometimes they're in their 70s and, you know, mom's in her 90s. So to be able to, you know, help them um, get a handle on what's going on with mom or dad and, and be able to talk to them and say, you know, I've been through this. I understand what you're going through. It's not easy. Um, you know, there's a certain level of empathy that I have for their situation because I've, I've been in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you learned anything yourself? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time have have there and you've talked I think in the past a little bit about the evolution of your practice well I think it's I think it's just to um, I mean to be to plan for what is inevitable I mean like you said in, in the abstract you knew it was coming so let's take it that step further and and talk about talk to mom or dad and and find out you know what what do you want what would you prefer? Would you prefer to go to an assisted living where you're still independent, but the help is there if you need it? Or do you, are you adamant that you stay in your home? You know, you, you have to talk about the money end of it. Um, and, you know, some people don't want to do that. You have to, you have to know if there's, if there's a financial ability to, to do this. 
okay, you want to stay at home, you want to get some aids there, they, they are costing, you know, X dollars an hour. Do you have the means to do that? I mean, I did not. So I was very fortunate that, my, you know, my parents had worked hard and they had money to pay for this care, um, but it is not cheap. It is very not cheap. And mm-hmm. um, so I think that, you know, just planning, just talking about it, finding out, hey, hey, mom, do you, do you have a health care surrogate designation? Do you have a living will? Do you have a will? I mean, these things, I think, are really important um, because you just don't want to have everything dumped in your lap and, and then have to figure out where you go from there because you just waste so much time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, having the dialogue while the opportunity is there, I think, is super important. That um, sounds like a, a great takeaway. Here. I, I was going to say, do you have any advice you can give people about where they should start? And it sounds like you're saying the best place to start is to have the conversation. Absolutely. And then, you know, you can work together to go forward from there. I mean, if, if mom says, yeah, I, I have a healthcare surrogate. And I say mom because most of the time it is the, the women are surviving the men. I mean, that's hmm. just, I, you know, I've been doing this for almost 30 years, and the majority of our older clients are widowed women. Hmm. That's just the way, you know, women live longer. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's why I say mom, but certainly it could be dad. And once you start the dialogue, then you you can see what's been taken care of, what needs to be addressed, and then you don't have to worry about it again. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got the documents there and you've got a plan in place, I mean, obviously... Um, you know, we all know what happens with the with the best laid plans. But if you've got something, a framework to start with, um, I think it's a lot better than just, you know, having it dumped on you, you know, in the middle of the holiday season and have to figure out what, what to do from here. I mean, I don't even know who to call or where to start. So. Mm-hmm. The last thing yeah. you want to do is have to respond in a crisis without, exactly. without exactly. any preparation. And, yeah. And I was fortunate that when I had to respond in a crisis, I just lucked into, you know, an amazing group of people um, that that stepped right up and helped me. Um, but it's not going to always work out that way. So mm-hmm. you definitely want to do a little legwork beforehand, and then you don't have a crisis. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to ask? Uh, so to add, I'm sorry, is there anything else you'd like to add? You've You've really been generous with your time, and I really appreciate it. Um, I just, I feel like, you know, most of us are going to have to go through this at some point. Um, and I just think it's better to to pull it out of the abstract and to know that it's going to happen and to have an idea of what steps you're going to take. And, and um, you can't do it in a vacuum. You need to include the people that, you know, you're helping or working with. And... Um, so I'm, you know, I'm back to start the dialogue now and have the conversation while you can. Um, you don't want you don't want mom all of a sudden becoming um, um, uh, demen- I don't want it to have dementia and not have any lucid moments when you can find out what she wants and and you know you don't want to have to go to court to get permission to to take over your mom's finances because she can't pay her bills. Mm-hmm. These, so, these are know, legal issues, yeah. and, and we, should, we should probably be really attentive here to the fact that we live in a nation of laws. <laughs> so these legal documents are, are critical. Right, right. And, and, you know, 
To be honest with you, I never, you know, I didn't have any of my parents' doctors say, well, you know, do you have this document or that document? Mm -hmm. But if they had asked me that, then I would have said, yes, I do. Here it is. The same thing, you know, with talking to the doctors about the, about the care plan or a diagnosis or whatever. I guess the doctor figured, mom brought me to the appointment, it's all fine. But again, if, if, you, if they ask you if you have that document and you don't, then they don't legally have to talk to you. They don't have to bring you into the mix. And I just think that, you know, people don't realize that. They just think, well, I, I, you know, I'll be there and not there's a lot of laws that prevent doctors from sharing information unless they've been authorized to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, I do think that the legal aspect of it is really important, um, and people have to think about that. And, um, and just, you know, I think there's a lot more resources out there now than there were when I was trying to do it. And I think it's because people have started talking about it, and mm-hmm. I think it's because... I think older people are also thinking about it themselves and not having to be prompted by a younger child. They've seen their friend. They've seen, you know, their neighbor um, struggle with this, and they're like, that's not going to happen to me, and they take the initiative themselves. So we have come a a ways, but we still have a lot further to go. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, Lisa Saunders, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your, your insight and your pers- and your sharing your personal experience with me. It's, I know it's going to be real interesting to other people who listen to this. So thank you so much for participating. I really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. And I certainly hope it helps somebody. I hope that, you know, somebody can find their way a little easier because of the struggles of those who came before them. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can email me at Jana at AgeWise.com. That's J-A-N-A at A-G-E-W-Y-Z, or Z, as my Canadian mother says. You can also find me online at AgeWise.com, and you can subscribe to the podcast and download any episodes for free at iTunes. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. Until then, age well. Age wise.